Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the return of A Conversation with Agility by Nature. We've been off the air. That's because we've been working on our website and doing all sorts of interesting things and uh, working with our customers. So the last one you probably heard from us was Amanda Toussaint talking about change management. It was a bit of a cracker. Uh, well worth listening to. Today's guest, and I think new is a good starting point. I met today's guest some years ago when he was an aspiring Scrum Master. And now, years later, he is a fully-fledged, in-the-field, active Scrum Master. And I was really curious about what his journey was like and how his opinions changed. So let's not listen to me anymore. Let's listen to the lovely and fantastic Ramsey Shaft. Hello, Ramsey. How are you? I'm, I'm really great. I'm really great. I'm happy to be on. You know, it's, uh, it's surreal talking to you from this side. Uh, when not like so many years back, I, I was when Tim obviously introduced us um, to Robinson and he just said, yeah, talk to this guy. And then I was so green. <laughs> and I, I, did, I couldn't even explain. Um, I couldn't explain anything, but I had this desire just to get into the space. But yeah, it's, it's really surreal. Uh, as you said, being as a fully fledged uh, tooth and nail hardened scrum master. Battle hardened, battle hardened. I love yeah. the scrum masters and because the, they're right in the middle of it all. And so, you know, it gives a real yeah. sense. It's very easy sometimes for the managers to forget quite what's going right at the, uh, the cold face. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I can't remember where we met, that's some years ago, but where did this desire, what were you doing before you said, okay, I'm going to do this scrum master? Because you had quite an interesting career before that, didn't you? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a it's a quite a storied career. So after, after university, so I went to university when I was 15, 16, yeah. and I graduated. So obviously I started working at Apple. Um, I was being a creative genius, all types of things at Apple. Yeah. And um, that was during university. And a guy came up to me and said, I, I did a degree in digital media design. Completely different degree, right? And um, the guy was like to me, you know what? You're good at talking to people. So you uh, have this thing at talking to people. So he, he, he had a brokerage. I became a broker of carbon credits. And if you know carbon credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know carbon credits. So I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> and then, uh, so I just, I started up sales. And then I, shortly after, I started up a sales business with my, with my, my late friend, Paul Jason. And then, uh, yeah, for two, three years, we had offices in London, in Leeds, Manchester, <laughs> all sorts. And we were all um we just had offices or whatever door-to-door yeah. businesses that involved in going then we had a uh inside malls as well so it was a really really lucrative business but bear in mind my degree was in digital media design yeah they still called us web designers not web uh, developers they still yeah, yeah. i remember uh, remember those days all right um when it's just html and css wasn't really there yet <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Uh, just t- changing tags, right? So, um, and then, but, so I always interested in technology. So I, I, from the Harvard X online courses, I taught myself a lot of um, computer science. So I taught myself computer science. Um, I read a lot of books and I always kept up to date with the emerging technology, even though when I was doing my sales business. So when we, when we winded that down and I wanted to get back into the space, at the beginning, I couldn't get in because I had no experience. Now, I definitely had no experience, right? But at the same time, one other passion, I, not passion, one thing I was good at was playing fighting games. So, obviously, uh, I played fighting games a lot. So, you can look around my house, you're going to see lots of joysticks. Yeah, um, yeah. All littered around the house. And I played so much that I got sponsored to play fighting games. So, that's a kid's dream, uh, <laughs> to be sponsored to play fighting games. I was sponsored by a, a team <laughs> 
then a team called Envious, um, all of which Monster and all these big brands are behind as well. So I did that for uh, for for quite for quite some time to sustain me as well, whilst I also had the money from 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 yeah. selling this. And yeah, I was I had so much free time. So during that free time, and having money, and also I got into obviously investing in cryptocurrency as well. I did have a great a safety net is is an understatement. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had, a, I had a, a a huge backlog. Uh, of money and I said you know what I want to do get into this agile space how do I get in yeah yeah and then my friends were in DevOps and I remember going to his office and he worked at um oh what's that place called Accenture oh gotcha oh, cool. yeah he worked at Accenture and um he had a he I saw an agile coach for the first time and he was the guy with the happiest smile and the biggest gold watch <laughs> and I said, I don't know what I don't know what he does, but I want to do that. He looks happy. <laughs> now, if you look at me, I don't wear a watch, so it's hilarious. I don't, I don't even like watches. the bling, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even a bling person. So, I I just saw a, a happy man who looked like he was taking yeah. care of himself, and not someone who had the air of arrogance, but walked around the office was naturally just happy. And I said, you know what? If he can do that, there's no way I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um. I, I inquired more about what this person's role was and my friend was like, oh, he's an agile coach. I said, what is that? And then that's kind of how I got in. So that was like kind of seven or eight years ago. And um, I couldn't get in. Obviously, you can't just become an agile coach. I said, okay, how do, how do I get into this? And then I learned about Scrum Masters. I learned more about the methodologies. I learned how to explain what agile is. Before I thought agile was some esoteric thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I, then I started breaking it down to, for me, I see agile as like being healthy. And I see all the methodologies as like going to the gym, uh, drinking water, uh, taking care of your diet. They're all means in which you become healthy. Yeah. So, so once I started framing it in my head that way, I said, oh, so these are just multiple ways to become this. Yeah. But everyone picks this one. This is the one that 80 or 90% pick all because problems are complex. I started learning about the, the Stacy model, complexity, all of that. And I said, oh, okay, I'm getting it. But I still couldn't get in. So I had all of the, the hard maps. I did my CSM. Um, obviously, I met, I met Tim. I met you. And then I still couldn't get in. It was really hard to get in. And then, uh, yeah, I think my, the, the first gig I got, I, I walked up to an estate agent along the road. And I kept asking them, hey, I, I, I want to be a scrum master. Do you need help? And one day, I found one in Canary Wharf. Uh, my friend Dan and uh, I saw him and I, I asked and he said yeah you know what that would be cool and my, and, um, my other friend Adi, um, Adi he worked there at Dawson uh, and then that's how I kind of got in I got lucky because my friend was there whilst I met his tech lead just randomly and uh, through meeting those two yeah I, 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 I got to shadow I, I, I'm not even talking about the shadowing part that's, that's next so I got to get my taste of what it feels like so I used to come in two three times like proper work day you know yeah. Like a whole work thing, no pay. Uh, but Canary <laughs> Wolf was very close to my house anyway. Yeah, so yeah. um I should just come, go in and and really just kind of trying to get the idea from them all. And while this was happening, as you know, I sent out hundreds, like some of your listeners will probably know if they go through their messages, they hear my name and, and they type it, they'll see it. I sent out every single day 20 LinkedIn connections every single day for maybe four or five years wow. prior to me getting enrolled just to kind of get in the space. And I always ask, hey, I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm coming from sales or this background. How do I get in? I kept on doing that over and over and over and over. And 
Um, it's funny because none of it actually panned out, bar one, which I'm gonna, which is my latest role. None yeah. of it panned out until probably. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that later because that goes in the future. And then um, uh, Dan, who who really liked the work I did, he gave me. He actually allowed me my first ever contract role. So wow. I didn't start off as a permi. It was like two fifty a day, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh wow. It was, yeah, was, yeah. For for coming from nothing to something, I was I was really happy. I was selling so much Bitcoin and ETH as well. It's funny because if I do the maths of how much, I think I sold like forty, like either fifteen Bitcoin and forty nine ETH. And if you do the, that in mathematics today, that's a couple uh, six figures, you know. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot. It's painful, but when I think about what it's afforded me, like speaking of yourselves and everything else, and the life I live now, yeah. It's kind of priceless. It was it was worth it. I'll do it all over again. So yeah, Dan gave him my first contract role, and the rest was yeah history or, or the new history. I think what is really interesting. I mean, you know, anybody listening to this thinking, crikey, this guy's got a a lot of energy, and B, he's definitely a self starter. And um, you know, when you get your teeth into something, you're, you're on it from the sounds of it. And I think about the role of Scrum Master, and I always think of them as the master facilitator. You kind of submerge self in many ways for the good mm. of the team. And I wonder, how do you cope with that? Because you're obviously, you're a person with big personality. You're someone who goes out there. You know, you're mm. very focused, very entrepreneurial. But then you have mm. this sort of like your day job is to be, not me, Kamal, but the servant leader. How does that work? Oh, how, how, how do I balance? Yeah. Yeah, how do, how do I balance the yin and the yang? Do you want to grab the team and say, come on, yeah. or do you just think, right, okay. Yeah, there are times, it, that's my, that's the beast I, I, I handle because empathy is something, in, the, the better you get at, at sales or, because me selling in general is, is the idea of um, curating or telling a story, yeah. but also the idea of the ability to, to have an idea or implant ideas into someone's head. <laughs> it's inception, right? That's what, yeah. a good salesman is, is a great storyteller. And someone uh, and someone who who can implant ideas. So I had to kind of quell a lot of that because it, because of the skills I have, it's very easy for me to guide uh, where 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 I want them where I want them to be. So at the beginning, yeah, I I would solutionize before yeah. because of everything I've learned. I would be like, yeah, let's um, yeah, I understand where you come from, but let's do this. And because of all the NLP and sales I learned, it's very very easy for me to yeah to do that. So. How I kind of quelled it is I, I just, it was empathy. So I realized another skill I have that a lot of people who, who become scrum masters from either a development background or something else is they don't develop the ability to empathize mm-hmm. with the business and also the people working. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I run a sales business with nearly a hundred of people, I had to empathize with them on a daily basis. So yeah, I, how I stepped away from that is how would I feel if my manager or my someone else came up to me and said, yeah, you should do this. And I had my ideas. So I would invite people to my chaos <laughs> and I would say, hey, um, what what do you think? So even though my intentions were great, I think there's, what's that book here? Oh, here it is. Difficult Conversations covers it, right? Oh, wow. And, and who's yeah, that? So, Difficult Conversations? That's Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton. and um, Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton. And, and, and Sheila Heen. Sheila, but we'll put a link into the, uh, at the end of the, the podcast when we yeah. do the up. That, that that book covers it about intent and impact and i learned that really early on you might have good intentions but the impact that you give on someone could be less than desirable so i learned early on that yes my intentions can be great but how someone receives them 
might not be so might not be so how I do that is I invite them in to to my chaos and I and I help them say hey you know what when you did this like I felt this way is this what you meant so I learned a lot of um how to create the situation the behavior that happened in the situation and the impact so SBI so I learned um all of that early on because yeah. of you have to do that in sales anyway in sales whenever someone throws you a rebuttal yeah. you have to do the exact same thing so I just apply the exact same techniques and then I realized oh I, it's just selling but I'm not the only thing I'm selling is I'm selling them on the idea that they can solve it themselves yeah so so yeah, that's so, yeah so I, I just I just changed the the, the 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 mindset and said okay you know what I'm just selling them they have the idea but let me let me calm that until I've exhausted them of all their options and their decision tree, like I'm playing a game in their brain, until their brain has got to a place where they're asking for my for, 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 for my opinion or, or my guidance, I don't need to step into the mental stance. So I learned about the coaching and the mental stance. I don't need to give give them or, or supply them of what they need, the answer most of the time that they have. But yeah. that's but then I as I got more mature as a scrum master, I also learned that some people need uh dependent on on uh what business or 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 the the environment they need more of that mentor more of that person leading them so i use a i use a a funny phrase is you can take a horse to water you can't help them drink right yeah yeah. but when you're mentoring a business that's really kind of suffering or or having pain pain point uh pain areas i say i can't lead you to the water but i can poison your 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 water your other water supply so that you come over and drink water <laughs> i can i can poison your coca-cola so you stop drinking fizzy drinks so you have to drink water well so, you, yeah yeah you can poison the coke just leave leave my wine alone otherwise it'll be <laughs> there you go so, so I, I just, I just uh, yeah so to, to answer your question in how do i handle it, it, it it's something i i've i still have a lot because i said it's energy so I just have to expound it. So even before workout, I'll walk my dog for an hour and a half. I'll I'll meditate because I do martial arts. I'll get beat up the day before or something. Yeah. So I find ways to expel my energy. So when I when I come in, I'm I'm just open and I'm who I am and I'm accepting of what's coming in. Not everything needs an answer. No, yeah. but that's now. When I was earlier, I because of sales, you always have a rebuttal. You always yeah. have, a, and sometimes the silence is golden. Sometimes the not knowing is a lesson sometimes the transparency is a lesson so yeah actually some of the interesting things is um you've gone on the journey and you've learned how to make the team solve the problem rather than you solving the problem for the team there's still a lot of senior managers who see scrum masters as project managers and project managers manage and it's that one person who makes sure everything gets over the line they task they tend to ask the when will it be done question how have you found, as you've evolved, how you've sort of managed that pressure or that expectation? From- oh, at the beginning, I hated it because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely hated it because in my brain, my ego was like, how is this? Because obviously I'm a fighter, so I, I, I fight, right? So yeah. obviously if you do, do MMA and Muay Thai, I said, how is this person speaking to me with such disrespect? That, that's the first <laughs> thing that, that comes to my head is, how are you speaking to me with such disrespect? And that, that's the first thing that goes, but that's the ego. That's the ego in me. Yeah. Or again, that's me battling my ego. Just yeah. it doesn't, like it doesn't, someone can speak to you that way. 
um, in in the world we live in now. But I still I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Um, not as much today, but I did at the beginning. Yeah. And I understand this again. It's the empathy thing. I, I never used to have empathy for them. So before I used to care about my team. My team. My team. Yeah, they work in this way. They deliver when they need to. They're going to iterate and increment. You know, we're going to do this and. I thought that was okay until I started going to the other side until I started having meetings with, with those execs realizing that a lot of their pressures are coming from their neck is on the line. They sponsored me to, to, or they sponsored you to come in. They're the person who, who, who said this, that the people above them could care less about agile or scrum. They just want something working. So their neck is on the line. So, I don't know about the pressure that they're receiving, but I'm here telling that person who brought me on to leave me alone. And then the person above them who's saying, when is it done? They have no idea. Yeah. And I'm so I, I learned about the, the, that even though we're coming in in agile, we're still entering the, uh, the, the old world. I, I don't call it waterfall or anything else. I call it old world and new world. Yeah. Old world and agile. It's old world. So, cause I'm old enough to remember when the internet first came. I'm, I, I'm the generation when the internet like was a thing like when it became a thing I was young really 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 young but I was there so I remember how the shift and, and change I remember how the world was before so these people come from the old world they come from that top down because that was the only way to, to yeah. do it the no trust the working from home thing is too hard for them it's it, it, it's such a shift so when I started saying empathizing on this on, on that level and realizing that we're all human that's the, that's the one of the lessons i learned i think in my second year being a scrum master is everyone's human yeah. and and they all have some sort of thing to them yeah. that, that's close to them and their neck is on the line because they care about their family they're not going to be able to afford the next meal or or pay for their 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 second lover's uh yacht somewhere <laughs> That's, that's something they care about you know? they, they care about it so when I started doing it like that I said okay now if I can empathize with you or I can see where you're coming from we can meet a common ground if we can meet a common ground like I said with intention and impact I can explain to you how this feels but until we have that common ground and until we're I can we can see on that level there's no way we can have um it's always going to be discourse but there's no way where we can have uh, a cohe- an argument, not a cohesive argument, but an argument that flows or a discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will always be an argument. It will always be my points versus your points, my logic versus your logic. But the second it's a, I let you in or I come to you, now it's a, an actual discussion. So yeah. that that's what I learned. I, I just learned that everyone's human and you might hate your manager asking you for the 20th time, where is it? It's because the people above him don't understand. Yeah. So maybe you need, to, you need to go up to them and coach them or or help your manager in their sessions go with them and, and be a part of them. These are little things that I learned. Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I don't know if it's strictly true now, but certainly in the early days, I think Agile, capital A, Agile, got a bit mm. of a reputation for being anti-management, which isn't very helpful, to be honest. Yeah, right. You know, managers are being managed, they've got expectations, they've got external clients, they've got promises. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you mentioned earlier, so there's the, there's the two things. There's a be able to have a, the right dialogue, so shifting the dialogue, but it's mm-hmm. not just the empathy. Is there also, you mentioned it earlier about complexity and, and so on and so forth. The work is yeah. not straightforward. So yeah. the when question is deceptively easy to say, bloody hard to answer sometimes. Yeah, it's teaching them 
that Stacy model is funny because I didn't know what it was, but I already had explained it because I play fighting games. It's the exact same thing. I explained to them simple and chaos and I use simple and crazy, but that's what I use. I use really bog standard. I'm using the, the not that's not the words I would use, but I'm just interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> bog standard. And so let's just say do an accounting, do an accounting or whatever. You can call it bog standard. Doesn't mean it's not hard to do, yeah. but it's a it's a task. It's a list of things you do in a certain order, a certain rhythm. Gardening, for instance, it's an arduous task. You go out there, you garden, you do eight sections, you have to do the whole garden. It's there. It's yeah. planned out, you know what to do. And then chaos is like where everything just changes. Like you, chaos is when you get uh, um, two formulas you've never seen before or, 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 or potions. You mix them together and something happens. You have no idea. And whenever this happens, you've got to get something else. You don't know what you need, but you need to do it. That's chaos. And I, and I, I try to tell them the realm in which software lives yeah. is not, it's definitely not simple because think you have no idea like bugs or when that's going to come up however it's not so much chaotic that you don't understand and then when i help them understand it's not in the middle it's closer towards the chaos realm they start understanding also oh, it's complex so they start learning the word complexity they're like okay it's, it's a bit more complex isn't it I said, yes and if it's complex it doesn't mean that we can't plan but our plans have to be adaptive and then when I started telling them that, okay. And then, so you imagine if I want to check if this pen is, you go into a shop and you pick up this pen. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I told them, if, how do you check if this pen is red? And they, they go, I don't know. I said, try it. They try it. It's red. And I said, there you go. And that's empiricism. And they said, there, you, you had to go out there. You had to write something down, actually go out there and check. That's what software is like on a grand scale. Yeah, yes, yeah. you might have an idea of what the pen does, but until the pen is, until you get to the, the done of writing the pen, you have no clue. You could have an idea without looking what this pen is. You could build it, whatever, but until you write here or it says yeah. it's red, you want to check how, uh, how, how the pen flows and everything else. So when I explain to them, yeah, that complexity, or, or they, there's a bit more understanding, but I, yeah, I feel for me, that's what's really helped me. Yeah, uh, the realms telling them where you can plan and where it's harder to plan. Yeah. So then they learn, oh, you can plan, but it just has to adapt. Yeah. And then they have their roadmaps. They have a two-year roadmap. They said, how does that match with my roadmap? And then, then those questions start coming, and they they've already planned for two years. They say the engineers have, they got estimates, and now they're using those estimates as gospel. So there's a bit of a mix. So uh, yeah, you just have to learn to those anti patterns that they have there. It's not even anti. It's just that's just the way it is because they heard Agile fixes everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The silver bullet of Agile. Um, and, and what's your thoughts about estimating? I mean, you know, it's, it's the developer's nightmare. You know, the, the how long, how much effort, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Are you a points man or are you sort of like not even bothering with that? What's your thoughts about estimating now? I have no like kind of strong opinion towards estimation. I know there's, there's, there's two camps in, in ours. Estimation, estimation. But we all agree on one thing. The conversation matters. Yeah, and for me, the con- if, whatever the team says, I don't care if they estimate, and I really don't care if they don't. What I do care about is the conversation. Yeah, the conversation okay. of saying how complex something is, or or splitting up um, what effort is, because effort to you or effort to me is totally different. Like like what I see is sorry, something just popped up on my screen. Um, what I see is um effort. Yeah. Um how we talk about effort, what type, as I told you about before, is it arduous effort? Is it simple effort? 
yeah. or is it chaotic analytical effort? Is it like, do you, do you not understand? Do you have to analyze everything? What type of effort is that? You can't know that without talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. And now once you talk to each other, is the one in arduous the same as the one in the analytical? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is it? Is that a freedom? Is it? But it's just, it's, it's really easy. Yeah. It's, it's really easy to do, but it's, I have to analyze it a bit. Is that the same as me closing my door right now? Yeah. Is yeah. it, that, it, then you get into that discussion. Do you want to go to that detail so that it's easier to potentially onboard someone so they understand the method of the madness? Yeah. It's not what a lot of teams do. So I tell everyone, if you're for estimating, that's fine, but how do you onboard someone? Yeah. How, how does someone understand? The, and you're like, oh, the, the, the teams are just, uh, they, they're self-performing. They do what they want. No, but for me, that's, that, that, that's an error. <laughs> you, you're just throwing them into a new person into the wild and they're just going to have to learn. Like, but, but humans are also, another point I agree is humans are great at learning. Yeah, yeah. So even though you just throw them in, they might be able to learn that estimation. But again, I, if you do estimate, I would love if they could help we go into the detail of what effort is being applied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and if you can go into what it, where it sits on that Stacy model, then that will help someone. Whereas yeah. if you don't estimate, you, then you're gonna have to go into yeah, where do you like? As long as you don't estimate, you you have to understand. Like they have to be all union, like some Jedi uh, mind thing. They will have to just know what each other's thinking when yeah, yeah. when there's no estimate. So yeah. yeah, both of them for me, they both have their problems, but with no estimating potentially I could see that your conversations are more drawn out yeah. and you don't estimate, but you just, you're just talking it through and just having a, a gist. But again, all of these are taught. This depends on, if you're not estimating, that is great, but it's dependent on your organization who brought you in. I said, your sponsor, if your sponsor is getting their back kicked in and you're the scrum master over here talking about, yeah, we're doing no estimates and they want to do a forecast and you can't even give them that or translate to their realm there's no way you can do that yeah yeah yeah. you yeah. need to make them feel comfortable but if you have an agile coach who's doing the fight up here you're doing the fight down here and it's, it's coordinated then i can see where no estimates would be there so that's my stance like i agree but it's just you need to train the organization if you want whichever you want to do yeah you, you just did something quite interesting actually you talked about coaches and scrum masters uh, yeah. and you sort of said up here is where the coaches are and here, down here, is where the scrum master, well, that's the influence I've got. Is that how you see it, that the coach is the, the, the person who deals with the exec team at the highest level? Um, I see it like... The team. So how I see it is, uh, like, it's like this piece of paper, right? The scrum master, imagine you have about, I got like, uh, oh, I use the pens, perfect example. One, two, three, on, do, talk. So I've got six pens, right? Yep. And I have uh, one pot. Yeah, a scrum master. I have six pens. This is my energy. This is my energy, right? All my energy goes into this pot. Yeah. Maybe one of this energy goes elsewhere. This pot yeah. is my team. Yeah. Maybe this amount of my energy might go to the outside influence around my team. Yeah, and blockers and something else. Whereas an agile coach deals with six or seven or eight or ten of these pots, but they have the exact same amount of energy as me. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. this energy would be their, their, like either their influence, their energy, their time, whatever you want to call this. But we have, we're doing the same thing. But I'm spreading, I'm spread in my concentrated in one area. Yeah. With potentially some in our area where their spread is spread 
maybe to 10, 12, 20, 100 other places. So that, that's kind of the core, the, the core difference to me is, it's like a piece, like I said, it's a piece of toast. That's what I told my missus. It's like, I have, a, I have jam. If I put all my jam on one piece of toast, it's going to be a jammy piece of toast. <laughs> if, I have, if I have 20 of them, but the same jam, not, it won't, it's going to be an uneven spread, right? But I'm going to have more of a shot. And that's for me, an agile coach uh, and a scrum master. We're both, we're both um, uh, enablers. We're both change agents. But my area of effect of change is, is, is much more concentrated. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. And to liberate this area where theirs is more um, widespread. Um, yeah. So it's not, I say up here because I'm saying up here because that's how people see management up here. But in actuality, it's like this, it's like side to yeah. side. Okay. I'm, dealing, I'm dealing with, with, with this area. You're dealing with multiple areas. But, but you, you, can, you cannot have the, the same spread as me. It's impossible. And yeah. that's why we have to rely on each other because they can hit some people that I can't touch and liberate some people who might be ready for my little piece of, of uh, if we combine to help them. But I need them to, to, to join up with me. I have to use the pen there. That's the only yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your desk is now a bombshell of uh, desk of, of, of de- uh, pens and, and pots now. <laughs> yeah, that's all, it, that's all it has. And Baby Yoda, that's all, that's all yeah, it has. Oh, nice. Um, my desk is looking a bit like a bombshell, maybe because I was changing the ink in my pen and it's flooded everywhere. Anyway, um, but actually, talking about up there, the other sort of challenge that agile people bump into is the scale question. You know, so when you work with one company, maybe one, two teams, it's all quite neat and tidy, easy to get your hands around. Then you move to organisations that have fifty thousand people, uh, and goodness knows where the developers are and complex interact and yeah i think you're doing some work with insurance at the moment phenomenally complicated set of interactions going there yeah what happened you know is as the scrum master what do you notice is the big change there is it just the amount of interactions you've got to manage and dependencies or is there something else going on it's a good question i think insurance is the one field that's probably the most um What's the word? What's the word when you say against change? Resistant yeah. uh, to, to change because insurance itself is, is a field that works with or without agile. Yeah. If I'm honest opinion, if they didn't work in an agile way, they have so much money that their projects could just fail. Yeah. They could do 20 projects, one is barely okay. But because of the amount of money that's in insurance and reinsurance, um, it will just keep coming back. Yeah. However, they, they are smart enough to understand that if we work in this way with software and our competitors, because they have loads of competitors, yeah, that's why they're doing it. So yes, they can keep doing what they're doing and still make money, but if their competitors are making more money. So it's a different, it, it, insurance to me is like a different ball game because they're not like all the other um, FI or everyone else or even just other businesses. They have so much money that they just care about keeping or not losing. So theirs is not losing and having more. Yeah. Whereas other businesses, they're trying to make and beat their competitors. They're all insurance cares about is making more and just not losing, losing a hundred thousand versus losing a million. Uh-huh. But they, they make billions. So in terms of what you're talking about, um, there's a lot more bureaucracy and there's a lot more levels. So yeah. for example, in most businesses, I've been able to talk to the CTO, the CEO, like for nearly all my roles and all the times I've ever shadowed, I could set a meeting with those people and in a week or two, that person would reply to me and say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, let's have that chat. 
I've yeah. got an agenda, I do everything else, and there would not be any qualm about it. Yeah. But insurance, there's this uh, hidden, um, uh, or FI, there's this hidden uh, uh, class system. There's this hidden class where it's like, yeah, you can't talk to me, I'm a senior. <laughs> there, there, there's this hidden like like a thing there where you can't even talk to the CTO and it's, and uh, you, maybe your sponsor on this level and the CTO is maybe two or three levels above. Yeah. You can't even message that person for them to reply to you. Meanwhile, this is the same person who's all all at your quarterly sessions. Sometimes randomly appears at your standups and asks questions. So it's it's a it's it's a weird one because your your area effect of changes here in insurance for all the ones I've been in, but the people above them and just above them could don't care. They don't care what the change is. They, they've heard that your sponsor brought this on. Now their neck is on the line. So for me, there's a bit more pressure through, through in insurance through the person who brought you in to deliver. Mm-hmm. So the focus is on purely, which it should be, <laughs> is delivering and satisfying customers, but it's first on delivering. Mm. So they, they, that, so for me, they normally have dates. They normally have, um, timelines they have to hit and in normal um places that you've been in yeah they have dates and timelines but it's not as oppressive mm, mm. whereas in insurance it's, it's to, or insurance or, or, or fi it's a bit more oppressive because they have a project they have a date they have project managers they have like five or six project managers already wrote a plan so you're coming in as a scrum master as a coach thinking oh i'm gonna change this there's already a plan of the plan of the plan going mm-hmm. two years forward mm. so there's a lot of unlearning you have to do and and making them resistant to risk because they do not like risk. They have all they have audit teams as well. They have yeah. audit teams and all this stuff. You don't know about this, so you're coming in blind. <laughs> so the the biggest thing for me in that field is yeah, dealing with those is you have to unwind one step at a time. You can't do too much change, but you have to be consistently. There's a you have to push and tell people. Remember, I'm here to do this. I'm here to enable you to do this. I'm here to do this, this, and this. I'm here to help you to do this, this, this. And you just have to keep doing it on probably a daily basis, which is tiring. Yeah. So I think that's the difference um, for me when you talk to that level. Like I said, they are that level. That, that's the, and that's the, I think a lot of um, agilists won't, don't want to accept that when they go into these fields. You have to accept it. But I, I hate it. Yeah. But you have to accept that they see a hierarchy. And your goal is not to destroy the hierarchy, but to help them the lines in between them to help create that conversation between each level. Like I like see it as a game, every stage, stage one and two, your sponsor, the next one, how often do they talk to each other? Get involved, get in there, see, see how often they talk, see, see what their knowledge of agile is. And remember the higher you go up, the, the, the less they're going to say that, that, I mean, the less they're going to pretend they know, or they're going to be like, yeah, I already know this agile thing. They're not going to, a C-level exec can never come and say, I don't know this because that, they'll, they'll never say that. So you have to realize that you, you have to treat it with, you have to treat them, uh, 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 treat it a bit differently because it's, it's a matter of, they don't want to look, especially when they're talking to someone beneath them in their eyes, they don't want to look stupid. Yeah. So yeah. you can't go in there and outshine the master. You can't go in there. Yeah. And it's quite interesting because Scrum is disruptive, you know, it's, it's it's trying it doesn't tell you how to do many things actually but those ratchets of exposing things exposing problems dealing with blockers delivering yeah. the potentially shippable shifting you know it is designed by i think to be disruptive so you're yeah. a bit of a nuisance aren't you 
I'm a pro- I'm a big nuisance because yeah, Scrum, if you boil it down, is it's just a problem. Yeah, it, it exposes problems. First and foremost, the great thing it doesn't fix things. They all they bring they bring Scrum to fix things. Then I come in on like five weeks or two weeks into my contract, show them all the holes, <laughs> all the areas that that are just uh, that oh this team can't live because of this this and this this and this and all the communication problems, and they're like, out. But that's the problem. Not the problem, but also the next, you need to do the next step. So uh, after you expose to this insurance, because there's loads of problems, you have to have, because they understand mitigations and risks. Once you expose these problems, then you have to kind of um, handhold them or, or coach them and say, hey, so um, this is what you, you, depending on the level, if they're like have to deliver by a certain date, you might have to be mental them and say, hey, so let's grab some of these people, get them into the room, see what we can do. Because yeah. they're not going to come out and say that. Because again, I already know what's going on here. There's no way I don't know what's going on. So I, yeah, I knew these problems. We've got our project managers. They told it's going to be delivered. You have to kind of circumvent that. So yeah, yeah. You, you're disruptive, but you have to be tactical disruption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. tactical, your disruption. with when, when it's within these blue collar, um, the higher up you go, you have to be very tactical because it, no one likes to look stupid. Yeah. And, and that's... Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's, uh, that's probably fair. Well, that most of the large large organisations do have an inherent amount of uh, hierarchy, in my experience. Yeah. Although I think insurance has been quite disrupted in itself. I mean, obviously the pr- comparison sites did one thing, but I think there's new players coming into the market that are, yeah. that are, are fresh and not so risk bound in their software development. Of course, they're risk-bound in many other ways. Yeah. And they're highly regulated. I think that's the other thing about financial industry, super yeah. regulated. So imagine that super regulated, because it has to be. Yeah. And then you... So, like, my last role was at Underwrite Me. Great place. Um, and and their their parent company is a, was, is a highly regulated, huge billion-dollar um, reinsurance. And they, and then they had a, I think that's what they're trying to do now, all insurance companies. They realize they can't change themselves. So they're going to hire they, that digital aspect. They hire a new company, like a startup, build it up to 100, 200 plus people and let them do what they want. Yeah, say, yeah. As long as you deliver, I don't care what you're going to do. I think that's the future for them. Yeah, but yeah. If, you're trying, if you're trying to change the actual business itself or parts of that business, that's a very big uh, friction point. It's so hard. It's so hard. If you're trying to change, like, like I'm at, well, I'm at like Aegon now. So if you're trying to change, like someone like Aegon or or Lloyd's or NatWest, and you're just coming in saying, "Yeah, I'm going to change all of this." <laughs> Go try and fight fifty to hundred years of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of um, yeah, yeah. Of red tape and stuff. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are successful organisations. They didn't get that big by uh, just pure luck. Exactly. And you're coming in telling them, well, this thing, this agile thing. Yeah. Like, what the hell do you know? How do you know? I'm older than you by far. Like yeah. the businesses trumps your age and more. There's no way you know more. Yeah. And that's what you've got to fight against. So are you seeing now, I mean, we've talked the downsides of management, but are you seeing a shift now that managers are becoming more sophisticated, more facilitators? Um, because obviously we've got new people coming into the business all the time. You've started, you're becoming a wiser, older warrior. There's the new generation coming in behind you. Are you seeing some shift in management generally? Yeah. Um, the, I think the managers are learning more to be more human. Okay. 
So I think they're learning to to understand. Yes, they're managing people, but managing people doesn't also does. Do, it depends on your your relationship with the person you're managing. If they're still thinking in the old world, no chance it's gonna happen. No. But if they're thinking in the if the, if the person you're coming coming from the, the the new world and you're a new age manager, you can incorporate some of those facilit- facilitated techniques. But again, it's it's not in their job description, so they probably won't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 they probably won't do it. No, I think that I'm seeing more facilitating and more softer management. I don't like the word soft. It makes it sound yeah. weak. I, but I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing that maybe as well, you and I started in a world which didn't get locked down and broadly mm. speaking, you went to work, although you've lived in the digital world a lot longer than I have literally um people lockdowns come down how have you found if if you've had to adapt a great deal because you're now not in the office I'm assuming you've not been in the office for a few years uh have you found that's changed your role and have you thought new techniques to approach that yeah for sure um be yeah be at home has kind of exposed a lot of areas for it's also enhanced. So I do the, the good, the good parts. Like it's an enhanced kind of the ability of silence. So now you can really feel when silence is there, which everyone feels. You can't see my face. You're just focused on why is it so silent? Perfect. If you're focusing on why it's silent. You're focusing on the wrong thing because you're like, why is it silent? Then you, then you be like, okay, what was I supposed to say? At least you get a little prompt. Whereas normally in person, if you're silent, people will be like, I'm not going to say anything because I just wait. So you just look at someone. And you just wait, there's this expectation that someone will talk. But when what I've realized being online is everyone is prompted because of silence that, uh, and there's, there's more questions going on internally yeah. when, when we're online, which I like, there's more internal questions and there's a bit more respect when people are talking. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause yeah, if I talk over you yeah. on online, you, Oh, sorry. Sorry. There's a big circle that we're both going regular dog talk and you stop offline <laughs> just talk over each other all the time um what else i've learned um lo- loads of um techniques uh not even techniques i use loads of apps like i use metro retro which is really helpful i use uh, obviously the, the the mirrors and the murals all of those i think it's just made me better at, use, at using those uh but yeah you, you have to be kind of good at the computers if you have a weak computer man that's the downside if you if you have a weak computer or you're re- not really good at computers yeah. yeah, it's just um, uh, this working from home thing re- has really shocked some of the, uh, our, our oldest uh, elder statesmen. Yeah, uh, because yeah, you have to be know how to facilitate, uh, go on Teams, do a poll, like even little things on Teams, do a poll, or doing a breakout room on Zoom, or like, little, those those small things, or doing a hazy background, like those small things, or leaving yourself on mute when you weren't supposed to. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just. You have to be a lot more aware um, online. So I think that's kind of the, the, what's been not so good, not so great. Yeah. And, but, and yeah. Do you think planning uh, planning with tools like I mean, I, I I was brought up in the world of cards and the spreadsheet, and that was about all you needed. And um, you know, to be honest, I don't think there's much difference. But in the new world, you, we're using Miro, we're using uh, Mural, we're using those mm. sort of broad electronic canvases. Are you finding that's changing your approach to backlogs or do you still see it as the long list in Jira? Or do you see now mural and, and those more collaborative canvases allow a richer 
change in how we approach requirements and planning. And for the benefit of our, view, of our listeners, you're grimacing. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to, yeah, grimacing face. I would say it, it depends on the organisation. Some Because some people just love going on Jira. Yeah. Like my last few teams, they just love putting Jira and just going through the tickets. It's not kind of my kettle of fish because I, I can't even, I can't, coming from design, I can't conceptualise just a bunch of tickets, even though my brain sees it. I can't conceptualise an image. I can't story map. I can't see it. So yeah. maybe it's the field, the field that I work in, but I, yeah, I, I can't really. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't really see it. So that's it. So they use Jira a lot to plan. Yeah. And I think it's not as collaborative. It's not, it works for two or three people who understand it. But it's a lot easier when we, for me, when, when we draw it out on a card, like you said, yeah. on, on, on Mirror. I, think some, I mean, Jira and tools like that have great intelligence and they can produce lots of data and insights. But I think like you, I'm also very visual and I, I struggle with the invisible list and the tickets. And I think also it very quickly becomes tasks rather than stories. And that's what, that's not a criticism of Jira. I think that's probably criticism, yeah. of, how that's I, criticism of how we use it. Yeah. so yeah. it's so yeah. easy to, to throw tasks in Jira that's why it's so easy to say oh, I'll write this up later yeah. if we were if we if I said that if I was in person and I had a piece of uh, card and I said I'll write this up later it's not gonna have anything on it yeah yeah I'm gonna have to explain it to everyone yeah that that's the difference and, and in Jira it's okay you just write one line I'll type this in later don't worry everyone you just leave it in person yeah. you're if you if this is up here you're gonna have to explain to me what this is Okay, everyone, this and that's what cards are, you know? Yeah. yeah. To have the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So so you get the card and you just have the conversation. That's it. Like conversation, shaping the conversations. Ramsey, it's yeah. been an absolute joy to see you. We haven't caught up for ages because of bloody yeah, world we live in. So uh, obviously when we're out, well, I'm assuming we're gonna be out soon enough. Um, time for a beer. But what a joy to see your personality as ever undiminished the energy. Can't be tarnished. Yeah. I suppose, last unfair question, thinking yeah. about your own journey to through Scrum Mastering, and there's people now doing their CSM, and, you know, they're starting. They're starting. The CSM tells you stuff, but it doesn't really give you experience. What's the one tip you would give any new or emergent Scrum Master? network that create no it's either between networking or yeah this network everything else can be solved because you everything else is primary like like learning how to explain agile in your own words is is a good one Mm -hmm. but for me just network it's in it's so invaluable like you don't like we speak now and the one of the, the one of the people i spoke to seven eight years ago someone i work with now so yeah just please and yeah just yeah just just please 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 network just go out there don't be afraid to go to meetups don't be afraid to send linkedin messages don't be afraid to um that you don't know and you just talk to someone it's not like this isn't like the other fields we're more than happy to to share we're, we look we share jobs with each other yeah. we say look i've just finished this role you know what you'd be great here yeah i didn't get this you'd be great here. it's a completely different space and i know for, for the budding scrum masters that probably will hear this or, or agile coaches or change agents, whatever, just, just network because you have no idea. You have absolutely no clue. 
I had no clue I'd be here where I am now um, in, in, in my life, you know. So network as much as you can because, yeah, you have no idea and, and you learn so much like from Ian. You learn there's little lessons you learn from everyone about this whole space and, and you might work with them later in the future. So, uh, yeah, please just go out there, meetups. I, I did, I used to do, now I do, I used to do what, two a week offline. Yeah. Online now, even with a kid, I can, I can do pump out three or four. Even if I'm doing the day, yeah, because it's easy, it's online now. I, I can do like walking the dog and have my headphones in, like with the baby. So yeah, please just go meetup.com and just go crazy. It's Actually, just, it is a community or the, the agile world is very welcoming and it is very generous. Um, not to say it doesn't have its arguments. Um, of course, yeah, of course. I like all families, but it's such yeah. a, it's <laughs> yeah. a family. It's, it's, it's literally the mafia. Um, yeah. it's, it's a family, but yes, we have warring factions. Yes, we disagree with each other. Yes, we argue about estimates. Yes, Scrum the organ, Scrum Alliance. Yes, all of this, but end of the day, we all believe in, in humanity or humans and, and people's ab- um, um, ability to change. Yeah. And because we believe in that and, and organizations' abilities to change and people in the conversations, you're going to fly if you just talk to people first, talk to the people in the space. And yeah, that's my... Yeah, that's probably a good tip for people, not just Scrum Masters anyway. And on that bombshell... <laughs> Ramsey, thank you very much. Congratulations on the newbie as well, the baby. Um, and uh, mine are teenagers. I actually one's beyond teenager. So you know, oh, yours is way older than a teenager. Yeah, you got you got lots to look forward to. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> fun, fun, yay! All right, <laughs> uh, dude. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. No Take care. Bye bye.